if we don't do it, Sky will. The Football Podcast. Three friends picking the bones out of the weekend's football. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of If We Don't Do It, Sky Will, the football podcast. And this is our last episode before the FIFA World Cup 2022 in Qatar, as we all know. And we were supposed to have uh, 16 Premier League match days before this point. Uh, Nice little sort of first half-ish of the season. Uh, As it's transpired, we have uh, all the teams on 15 or 14 matches because of the cancellations due to the death of our monarch in uh, September. But um, this weekend, we've had another um, thrilling weekend on the 12th and 13th of November. Um, Lots of news everywhere, lots of goals. Uh, Brentford will be topping the bill since they achieved probably a result the best result of their history. That's what their manager, Thomas Frank, called it anyway on Match of the Day. They won 2-1 at the home of the champions. Last season, we um, extolled them for a 4-1 victory at the at Stamford Bridge. Was it 4-1, 4-0? I don't quite remember. Anyway, um, this time, Ivan Tony has just been left out of the England squad, uh, scored two. Similarly, Danny Ings, who's just been left out of the England squad, scored two for Aston Villa in a win at Brighton. Um, Everton, I'd love to talk a bit about Frank Lampard's Everton, who've been uh, hammered twice in a week uh, in different competitions at Bournemouth. Um, That can't have happened often, I think, in in the record books. Um, Also on Saturday, Liverpool beat uh, Southampton 3-1. Newcastle got a big win at home to Chelsea as their great run of wins continues. That is five league wins in a row. Um, Nottingham Forest got a really important three points at home to Crystal Palace. Um, Arsenal got what you might say is a routine win at uh, Lopetegui's Wolves, 2-0, Odegaard at the double. Um, And then, well, my name's Alex Gross, your host. I'm the Spurs fan. With me is Nick Gilmer, the Manchester United fan. Hello, Nick. Hello. How are we doing? And as always uh, with us, George Harker, the Leeds fan. Good evening. Hello. So the huge news on uh, Saturday was that two of our teams played each other, Tottenham Leeds in N17. And uh, what a game, George. Mm. Ready to uh, <laughs> ready to wax lyrical tonight about it? Absolutely not. You were there, so you can take the lead. Yeah, I'd, <laughs> I had a great time, I must say. Um, but I'm sure I don't even need to tell you that given what's happened anyway let's tell the listener who um may not know that tottenham won a seven goal thriller four three with two late goals from rodrigo bentancur um which takes us to the break in fourth place and nick your manchester united side um were ordinary shall we say in the second half at fulham i was watching that um yesterday afternoon but you got yeah. Major Philip before the break with a goal from your young Argentinian Garnacho yeah, and a 2 1 win. Who doesn't love a, a last minute winner from a teenager? I think George didn't love it, but um, yeah, <laughs> that puts you uh, three points behind Tottenham with a game in hand at the break. So that's not a bad place to be. Your goal difference is exactly zero, which sounds about right with your ups and downs all season, doesn't it? Yeah, it's uh, dreadful, but you can, you can tell a lot about a team from their goal difference. 
It reminds me of uh, a quip by a friend of the show and Blackburn Rovers fan, Paul Caputo, who once opined that um, he thought Tottenham Hotspur had an eternal goal difference of zero, <laughs> because in their <laughs> whole history, that sounds just about right. And I think if you checked out the stats on that, it would be close to uh, close to accurate. Yeah. Um, what have I left out? No, that was all the results, isn't it? Yeah, I believe so. Um, so let's start with our moment of the weekend, our new feature since last week. George, can you remind us of the stipulations of moment of the weekend? Yes, yeah, certainly. So it has to be anything from the world of football. I think we'll, we'll, we'll keep it within football, um, but not involving your own team. Anything that uh, tickled you or um, made you smile, anything. Sort of like too good, too bad, but our yeah, version. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, have we decided whether it can be bad things too? I suppose we'll stick to the positive, eh? I'm eternally drawn to the negative, so uh, <laughs> it, it's not long before I choose one. <laughs> okay, well, um, let's go with a bit of moment of the weekend. Nicholas, you're first up tonight. Big Tony. It's uh, Ivan Tony's 98th minute winner against, you know, Tony Ivan against yep. uh, Man City, who suddenly look brittle and a bit vulnerable, but then they probably have got the, the most number of players off to the World Cup as well. So I think whilst there didn't seem to be a drop-off in effort, I think you could ask some of those City players if they'd rather have got through the 90 minutes and get off to Qatar or if they'd... Uh, if they yeah. want those three points. But it was 98, good. 98 minutes, I suppose. Anything that just reminds people they're fallible, I think, is yeah. is useful for the league. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, Brentford are racking up some big scouts this season already. So I was uh, just entering the stadium uh, when that went in, and there was a huge cheer at uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which really indicates that we're still just trying to ignore the fact that Arsenal are clear at the top of the league. I love the fact that no one's taking Arsenal seriously. Yeah, it won't be long till we see Manchester City as our saviours. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can you imagine? Back in the, the, the gritty underdog. What an underdog story that would be if City managed yeah. to displace Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> We're nothing if not fickle at Spurs. Uh, yeah, and um, I've been a bit, bit um, obsessed, I suppose, with the wisdom of uh, Tony Cascarino as per last episode's <laughs> title. Um he obviously uh, had 2020 hindsight this week and uh, wrote in the Times today that uh, Gareth Southgate should have taken the Brentford lads, uh, Tony and me, Ben me, not me. <laughs> and um, did did this make you wish that he'd taken Tony as well? Uh, not really, no. I mean, not really. Callum Wilson, when he's fit, scores goals and uh, yeah. he's playing in a better team, doing better in the league, I think. If, if Wilson's fit, he's a great option to not come off the bench behind Kane because that's what that role is. Yeah, and that reminds me, we'll be talking England squad a little later. Moment of the weekend, George. Yeah, tricky for me, given such a pitiful weekend all round. Um, but I <laughs> thoroughly, I think this follows your... The cheerful uh, tones of George. <laughs> I think this follows your uh, theme from last weekend and it involves Everton. Yeah. And... Um, at full time at the Vitality Stadium on the back of a was it three 0 this time? I already wish um, I'd seen this <laughs> hammering 
um, against the Bournemouth team that was horrifically out of form. So it's not like, you know, yep. Everton should have come there and got something more than a 3-0 loss. And at the end of the game, um, poor Alex Iwobi in his infinite wisdom thought a fan might want his shirt. <laughs> he threw it in the crowd and it got thrown back in. <laughs> that is <laughs> classic moment of the weekend. It was a bit Jerry. like, it reminded me, took me straight back to the mid-2000s when someone threw their season ticket, was it Steve McLaren? Um, yes. And <laughs> it just took me back to that. But I think At, it's even uh, worse. Middlesbrough, yeah? <laughs> Yeah, 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 that's right. I remember that. Yeah, and um, I but saw... there was a spate of that when you had the yeah back in the day when you had the booklets and mm-hmm, people used mm-hmm. to throw them on always with one or two games left when it literally doesn't didn't matter. Very much. Yeah. But, <laughs> and it, it came to be seen as the ultimate gesture of um, dis disillusionment, I suppose. But yeah, when there's only yeah. one or two tickets left in your book, it's not that not that yeah. amazing. It, it got a bit better because I think it was Seamus Coleman tried to pick up the shirt and say, oh, come on, you know, and you can pick up someone on the video going like, F off, I don't want it. <laughs> so that that was mine. Yeah. Poor Frank. Um, <laughs> Newcastle, Chelsea. Um, I'm going to go with just the Geordies beating Chelsea. I know that the Geordies are not um, uh, underdogs now. Um, and they're on an amazing run. I'm just going to count this up. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven league wins in nine now. They've had a, an astonishing October. Um, but just want to put it back into the context of the last year or so or decade, the last few years or decade, I would say, um, Newcastle beating Chelsea has always been a bit fun, hasn't it? And it happens again and again. And uh, it was also just after our game. So it was on in the pub when I got there. And um, it just made everything even better, really, watching Chelsea lose. And then I hoped that um, Wolves could do the same against Arsenal. But Wolves are not a team to pin your hopes on at the moment, as we know. So, yeah, so it's just um, uh, Willock's goal and Newcastle's win over Chelsea in general uh, is my moment of the weekend. Obviously, my actual moments of the weekends all came from my team this week, so can't mention those. But um, yeah, topping the bill uh, in terms of discussion has to be the City of Manchester Stadium then. And uh, Nick's already anticipated that with his moment. But yeah, to recap, um, Ivan Tony scored first um, after about a quarter of an hour. Phil Foden equalised just on half time, and you thought that was going to be it for Brentford. But then um, they scored that 98th, 99th minute uh, breakaway winner on the counter as Man City were trying to win. A couple of important observations here. One is um, Man City's team, because you might look at this result and the date just before the World Cup and think that they rested players and whatnot. But actually, they played uh, the strongest team that they could, as far as I could see. Um, And De Bruyne and Foden and Haaland were all there. They only made one sub late on. Uh, when they brought on Alvarez for Cancelo. Um, so, you know. That didn't make sense. One of the deepest squads in the in the league chasing a goal. I don't know what, yep. what the point I think was. that's Pep's uh, ultimate belief in his system, isn't it? That it will come good. <laughs> um, he tends to make changes when the game's won, I suppose, is, is yeah. what, he's used, what, what he's used to doing. Um, Nick, it. you said recently that you thought Brentford were a team that would get sucked into it. 
at the bottom. Yeah. And I, I don't disagree with that, but they also are capable of these stunning results, as I, I've already referenced. I've already referenced, sorry, the um, Chelsea match last year. Then obviously the, the the huge win over United at the start of the season. Um, so what is it? I mean, you can't go to Stamford Bridge and Etihad these days and win in the Premier League if you're not if you don't have serious tactical acumen. That's my view. So he's definitely got. Um, some tactical skill, this manager. But why, why are they so inconsistent? And why do, you, as you said, do you see them as vulnerable still? Um, I think the squad, um, the, the yeah, size I think of the squad, is. or I think he's wringing every single drop he can out of a fairly limited team. Mm. Um, and and you're right. I think he's beating some of the elite on tactics, and he's managing to get a work rate out of those players that isn't matched by the opposition. I can speak firsthand from United's point of view when they beat us. Um, he gets them working hard against, against the, with a system that's really well-defined and really well-drilled. Um, but I do think they lack quality. I don't think that they are one of the top 15 first teams in the league or top 15 squads even, um, which means that they he's got them punching vastly above their weight. Whereas I think if you look at a team like Brighton, I think they have got that work rate and they have got that system, but they've also married that with proper quality, which comes from being in the league a few years and having money. Um, so, yeah, it's really impressive. But Right, to, to takes... that point, we must just note that they are only two points apart now, those two sides. But I get what you mean. Uh, Brighton have been more impressive, more consistently this season, haven't they? Mm -hmm. And also they've yeah. lost Potter, so it mustn't be too harsh on them. Yeah, I think, um, but that's the thing is when you're, getting that much out of a group of players who are probably not, you know, top, top tier Premier League players. All it takes is a 5% drop off, which can come with injuries. It can yeah. come with work rate. It comes with distractions like the England call up. I think they did brilliantly to get, you know, even Ivan Tony that sort of performance out of them this week. Yeah. Um, and, and then you're in big trouble. Uh, George, do you see these two teams, uh, beginning with B, Brighton, Brentford, do you see them as direct rivals or do you, do you think they've left you behind a bit? Uh, not not just yet. I, I think I think Brighton are a solid, guaranteed Premier League team now. I don't see yeah. them getting anywhere near the bottom. Um, Brentford, yeah, they're very hit and miss, aren't they? I think they're, they're a bit like us this season, how we get our results against the bigger teams. Um that doesn't necessarily keep you up. But I just think the consistency of their squad and manager, I think he's been there four years now. Um, and the majority of that squad was a squad that got them promoted. Mm -hmm. The complete opposite of what Nottingham Forest have done. <laughs> I was just about and, to mention Forest to that, yeah. And yeah, no, I, I still agree. I still think any of the bottom 11 could be in that bottom three. So I wouldn't count Brentford out of it at all. But I think most promoted clubs are now trying to follow the Brighton model because you, you're not awash with cash unless you get bought by a very rich owner and um, you just stick to your squad. Don't, well, don't do what Forrest have done, basically. Yeah. So huge win uh, for Forrest, apropos mm. Forrest. Uh, they're off the bottom, 13 points. That leaves Wolves bottom of the league going into the break, but no one's really been cut adrift. No, and uh, Southampton not. Wolves, <laughs> yeah, Southampton <laughs> Wolves with new managers. Um, hard to see it, 
sorry, forgive me, Lopetegui, he briefly managed Spain, didn't he? And an yeah. ex-Spain yeah. national manager taking charge of the bottom team in the Premier League. That just says yeah. it all about the Premier League, doesn't it, I suppose? Yeah. And Emery, Emery going to, you know, Mr. Europa League, going to Aston Villa, you don't look mm-hmm. like they're bothering the European places anytime soon. I, I just can't, I can't understand it, actually. Like, how much money are they being paid to come and take middling to to lower middling Premier League well, clubs. Even there, though, you talk about four-point gap. I mean, yep. they've got a decent squad, but I, I said, said last week, he must have been promised money in January. He must have been Emery. But I, the, the, problem is, I, the, the problem is, all of these managers at these clubs are probably looking at finishing eighth best now. You're, mm. you're going to have to displace the big six and now Newcastle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that locks off all the European places, so you're essentially in a scrap for mid table every single year, which I don't think is a good position to be in. Um, maybe maybe seventh if Chelsea are out of it now, <laughs> sinking yeah. like a stone. <laughs> I mean, and he won't last long if that they're three on a on a row now in a row now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, three defeats that, in a row and five without a win in the league. And I might have mentioned it last well, week. I think uh, you know if he gets the chop. He, that is going to pull the drawbridge up on any yeah. other young English manager who's done well at a middling team. They just will not take the risk. Okay, welcome back to part two. And uh, George, I'm afraid it's time to talk about the game between our two teams at uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Now, uh, we've had a sort of running motif through recent episodes that I get upset with our playing style, yet we broadly get good results and you tell me that I'm spoilt and um, should be a bit happier with where we are. And we have ended um, the term, shall we say, in fourth place, um, 29 points, um, three clear of United, seven clear of Liverpool, eight clear of Chelsea. Obviously couldn't have predicted that uh, in terms of how badly some of those other teams have done, some of those other big teams. Um still ignoring the fact that we're eight behind Arsenal. Um, but I, I want to just tell you um, from Saturday that uh, when we got an equaliser, um, let me just recap on the scores for everyone. Is uh, it which one? <laughs> yeah, Somerville scored early. Um, Crescencio Somerville, three weeks in a row now. Uh, great goal. Um, Kane then equalised on 25 minutes. Uh, Rodrigo scored the sucker punch just before halftime when I was down in the bar, of course. Um, and then Ben Davies got the equaliser on 51 minutes. And then there was a bit of a lull before um, Rodrigo made it 3-2 for Leeds. And in that lull, when it was 2-2, and uh, we weren't playing very well in terms of creating chances to win the game, I said to myself, silently yet uh, fairly adamantly, Um, If we end up winning this game, I must not complain about the way we've gone about it um, because I I, I just must be thankful for the result because I cannot see where it's coming from. And then obviously you went 3-2 up and the mood was pretty bad and I thought, well, no way we're going to do it now. Uh, Maybe not no way, but um, (laughs) uh, what I'm trying to say to you, George, and to you, listener, is that I have learnt from these past few weeks, and I said, uh, if we come out of here with a win, I've just got to be thankful for the result because I can't see at this point where it's going to come from. And in hindsight, I also don't really know where it came from. Two goals from 
Bentancur, a few deflections, a bit of messy. Um, but yeah, so what I'm telling you is um, great game. Shake hands on that. Um, pulsating encounter. You'll be upset with a goal where Melier was pushed into goal, but we were uh, all upset with the foul on Bentancur for Rodrigo's goal. So we can um, perhaps say that they eliminated each other. He's shaking his head, listener. Absolutely um, not. <laughs> but yeah, let me throw over to you, George. Um, what's your view? And, and what's the lead? Mm. Um, gosh, where do I start? Well, let's handle those decisions, shall we? It, I, I'm not in the business of evening things up, but it's the <laughs> fact that it's the fact that VAR didn't even look at it. Apparently, two players rugby tackled him into the goal. <laughs> he didn't even look at it, and and Marsh said in his post match that the fourth official said to him, "Oh, that'll that'll get chalked off. That'll definitely get looked at." Oh wow. <laughs> And he didn't didn't even look at it. So he, should, he shouldn't say things like that. That's irresponsible. <laughs> I'd like to think Marsh isn't isn't fibbing, telling Porkies. Um, now what's the Leeds mood like? I think it's a lot more positive than it was, right? It's three weeks ago where Marsh was yeah. on the on the edge and had that remarkable result against Liverpool. And you know, can't be too downbeat. We did this to Bournemouth a week ago. Um, I think it's just the manner of taking the lead three times away from home at a top four club and and I have stat checked it and it is the first time in our history in any competition we've done that thrown away three three um the lead three times in a match and lost so that's a really bitter pill to swallow and to have to stew on it for seven weeks now is really difficult oh please don't Um, (laughs) well even longer because our next two games after the break in Man City and Newcastle so um, we really could have done with a couple more points um, yeah. going into the break, but I think there's there are a lot of positives from it, and and I've seen plenty of fans that went to the game that were trying to stay positive. It was just, I think it was what really annoyed people was the exuberant celebrations with our third goal, as if it was in the 98th minute, like Brentford's, and right. you had a good 20 minutes to go, and everyone knows what Tottenham have done. Yes, we all do yeah, all indeed. season long. We're all geared towards the last 10, yeah. And I think that's when you you take a step back and you look at our 11 and our bench and realize how young we are. And there just wasn't enough wise old heads saying, look, let's just calm down. Like it's yeah. only a one goal lead. Look at the quality they've got. Everything was going through Kulishevsky from what I saw because we don't have a left back. So it was Lambs the Slaughter on that on that flank. And because he's a um, genius. Well, that too. Um <laughs> So that's what really annoys people is just there was no game management whatsoever. And and I saw, uh, oh, I think Phil Hay mentioned from the Athletic, that's 11 points we've dropped from winning position. So we could yeah. be in such a better position than we and, are. And you're up against the team that gets a lot of points yeah, so, losing positions. Ex- exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it's just, I think that's what the other thing Marsh said after the match was just we can't keep throwing away these good scenarios, you know, Arsenal at home, yes, we didn't score, but we were so much the better team, but still contrived to lose. Um, there was it Southampton at the beginning of the season, two goals up, drew. You know, these silly positions we have to start solidifying. And yeah, that was the that was the annoying thing. Everyone, I think most people expect us to lose that game, regardless of what had happened the two weeks before. Um, so to to bin it like that and have Tyler Adams sent off, who's been our best player this season. Um, yeah. and this is that city game which gives us that crumb of hope is halved <laughs> crazy isn't it to have really a well. to have a suspension that that is 
going to be mm. enacted so so far in the future. Yeah, but um, one of our very few players going to the World Cup, so maybe it's a bit of a blessing that he gets an extra bit of time off. But um, right. and was Nyonto badly injured? No, 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 no. little. You didn't injure our Willie too badly. <laughs> okay. A nice very little. St- I'll give you a little stat bomb though to stay positive. Um, <laughs> stat bomb. Um, Somerville and Rodrigo both scored, and that's that's the first time in Premier League history that two players from the same team have scored four games in a row, which is quite impressive, especially for Somerville, who's literally just entered the first team. So um, Fulham, Liverpool, Bournemouth, Tottenham. Mm, yeah, four games right. in a row. Yeah. And Rodrigo, I mean, that third goal was delicious. I mean, that was a lovely yeah. finish. Um, and he's been threatening and promising to do that since we signed him two and a half years ago. And with Bamford, God knows when he'll ever be back. He hasn't scored in over a year now. We all thought that was going to be brought back, by the way. Oh, oh for a foul, yeah. Mm, not really the same. <laughs> it's not not quite as bad. He's not having it. <laughs> Maybe so, George, was, yeah. uh, George, end of term report, 15th place. Mm. Uh, goal yeah. difference minus four, 15 points. Mm. Um, above West Ham and Everton. It's quite nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, like I said, 11 points from winning positions. And it's just, it's, it's very, what could be, we could be much better than we are. And I think that's what makes me think we should be okay because we know we can get results. We know we can score goals against big teams. So it's just a case of, of being a bit more, a bit more street smart maybe. And yeah, yeah. So it'd probably give us like a C minus. Because we, we, we're still two points from the relegation zone, which isn't acceptable. We've actually conceded more goals than we had this time last season under Bielsa. Um, so, yeah, much to work on. But I guess there's, there's, there's positivity there. It's not all doom and gloom, that's what I'm trying to say. There was a caller on 5 Lives 606 last night, by the way, who gave Conte 3 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, being firmly ensconced in the top four. He said he he said he put his Tottenham shirt in the bin when you scored to make it three two, and then he. This is all sounding so scouse. And then he went out to find it when Bentancur scored twice. Oh, that's so an I'm Arsenal that fan. Bad. That's an Arsenal fan phony. Yeah, that's a that parody. Bad. Pretty sure I've done that before. To be fair. No, I was there throughout, and I was there for the celebrations. George, believe me. Okay, um, let's just add into this uh, part as well um, a look at Everton, just because I'm keen to um, put Frank Lampard under the microscope because he's in 17th place, below Leeds, importantly. Uh, He's won three matches in the league this season. West Ham at home, Crystal Palace at home, and Southampton away. They've lost seven as well. They've got a goal difference of minus six. They got dumped out of the cup at Bournemouth, then lost to the same opponents 3-0 this weekend. Um, Yeah, I mean, it would be great to have another uh, Everton opinion on the show sometime soon. But uh, certainly from my perspective, why is there no clamour for him to be booted out? What do we think? Well, so I've got a, uh, I've got mixed loyalties here because a friend of the show, Ben Jones, is also yeah. a friend of mine, and um, he he was adamant that Lampard's not about to be sacked, and I think 
they've put a lot of eggs in his basket, haven't they, as a club? Yeah. And also, you've seen much better managers than Lampard fail there. Like, Rafa Benitez obviously wasn't set up for success, but has been a success most places he's been. Couldn't make it work there. Um, but he was sort of hopefully piping up with a manager swap with our West Ham mate, because um, David Moyes looks like he's sort of, sort of floundering a bit at West Ham yeah. now. Um, and that oh, might... So they want a return of the Moyes ayer. Yeah, well, I mean, that might be a move that suits everyone. But uh, I just think Everton have been run and over the last sort of five, six, seven years, and they've lurched from direction to direction. They've now got a hodgepodge squad of youth prospects who've now gone into their sort of early 20s. Some big money signings. And, yeah. and some, you know, there doesn't seem to be much direction. I can relate as a United fan who have talked about this. In the well, there's no place. excuse for being 17th. No, uh, they're far right too now, good. Is there? Far too good for being down there. I think they've got an inexperienced manager. And if you know, if if the England manager's job comes up in a month and a half and Lampard is um, unbelievably thrust towards it, everyone it would suit everyone. <laughs> I do wish the listener could see George's face with that suggestion. <laughs> Can you unsupport your own country? I don't know. <laughs> but I think you know, Gerard and Lampard could well find themselves battling it out to be uh yeah. The next England. I don't think Hal's going anywhere. I think he's doing too well at Newcastle. But um, that might suit Everton, to be honest, because they're in a bit of a death spiral with him, I think. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I know a lot of Everton fans over here where I live, and they they did... Obviously, there was jubilant celebrations when they stayed up last season, but they just thought they were putting off the inevitable. They, they yeah. feel like this has been coming for years, and they... They, they they almost need to go down. But why the do they apparently and... not associate that with the manager? I don't know. The only fans I know think he's useless. So maybe it's too, <laughs> maybe, it's a, maybe it's a divided fan base. Okay. <laughs> Losing to Bournemouth twice in a week is dreadful. Bournemouth had lost their previous four, I think one in five yeah. at least. Yeah. And yeah, that you know, I've another team that I tipped to go down or to get dragged into it, who made me then look stupid by beating Everton twice in a week. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're not very good, and Everton should be beating them nine times out of ten. Or should at least learn from the first defeat a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm here after a fabulous four-three win from Spurs over Liverpool uh, over Leeds. Sorry, um, Leeds were winning two 0 at half time. It all looked a bit uh, dire, but we won four-three. I'm in the pub uh, after the game with Emily from Minnesota. And quite incredibly, she's arranged a trip to the UK to see two Spurs matches. Her first time at the stadium, um, Liverpool and Leeds. So she saw the defeat last week, and now she's seen a thrilling seven-goal victory over Leeds. Uh, Emily, what did you make of that performance today? I thought it was amazing to be there Came on a trip to the UK literally just to see Spurs, right? Just to see the Spurs, yeah. And um, like, why do you support Spurs? How did that start? I think it mostly started. I always watched the Premier League, but uh, in 2020 during COVID, when there wasn't much to hope for, 
I really got into watching Tottenham and became a huge fan. So now I wake up every weekend at like 6 a.m. so I can watch the game. <laughs> and what I really want to know is this experience with you in the pub right now. Yeah. Um, how does that compare to the pub in uh, or the bar in Minnesota post-match? I think the biggest difference is that the pubs in America wouldn't be playing these games. So we'd be watching football or basketball, so that's the biggest difference. But I have noticed that there aren't many women at your pubs. Yeah. So that's a huge Yeah, I'm afraid so. <laughs> yeah. But you, you are a great outlier. Yeah. But I love the energy in here. And you know what? There's one thing that uh, UK fans have over Americans. It's the chance. We can't even compare. In, the, in America, we don't have any good chance. What was your favorite chance today? I, at home when the Spurs win, I'll sit in my living room all by myself and sing... Um, and the Spurs. Go marching in. <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. And so I got to sing it with a group of people today. Yeah. Yeah, she needed a prompt there, but yeah. she just remembers. I'm okay. a little drunk, that's why. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's been a few hours since the game. How are you enjoying the bricklayers? I love it. I love it. It's a great place. And I hope people are filing out, and I hope that people stay because I want to stay longer. <laughs> Okay, thank you very much, Emily. It's been great to have you on and uh, look forward to seeing you again sometime soon. Thanks, Alan. Okay, welcome back to part three and uh, it's Nick's turn now. Uh, Manchester United looked a bit like they were on the ropes at uh, the expanded Craven Cottage from what I saw. I'm not quite sure I wasn't hmm. watching with my full attention, but yeah. Not on the you, ropes. Nick. I think a uh, very good first half game should have been put away was the... The reality, I think they then all turned their attention to the World Cup and Fulham came back into it. And I'll tell you what, I've not watched a lot of Fulham since they came back up. Yeah, This is a proper Fulham team and they normally come up and go down, come up and go down. I think Sky brought that up on the screen as oh, well. Oh yeah, they're yeah. much better than last time they were up. Wow. Yeah. yeah, and this is, you know, we got them on a good day because if Mitrovic had been playing, I don't think United would have won. Yeah. Um, I think United would have probably lost actually. Um, and Ten Hag... He tried to shut up shop after 55 minutes. He threw McTominay on for a lander yes. yep. and and bumped Bruno out onto the wing. And we saw how much Bruno was missed um, against Villa. I think... And um, he had an excellent first half. He did, yeah. And and United just didn't... Again, once again, 1-0 up. Didn't know whether they were coming or going. Should have gone for two and three and four. Ended up conceding. And to be honest, I just wanted to the game over, put us out of our misery, get a month and a half off and then come back fresh. The manager's taken us in the right direction, but um, then Gamacho did something amazing and that is why you watch football, right? A star is born was the headline. Yeah, um, just because he looks like a, a labourer from Moss side. He's actually uh, <laughs> an Argentina international. He's quietly developing into one of United's first three or four picks, I would say, up at the top of the pitch, particularly while we've got such... Paucity of options. Uh, so not uh, labourer from Moss side, but maybe from uh, the docks in uh, in uh, Boca. That's yeah. There's um. Oh no, um, he was born in Madrid. I've just looked it up. I've just uh, used a popular search engine to find that out. Um, we, um, yeah, we acquired him from Atletico Madrid, and uh, I think apparently he had attitude problems, which is why we haven't seen him yet. And and. Ten Hag is a strong manager, and you have to do it his way. And I'm sure we'll talk about another example. Yeah, shortly. but when you when you mention attitude, if if you've got him for 
if you've got a young 18 year old from Atletico Madrid, that what that means is he's been hot housed under Diego Simeone, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. He, he might have an attitude, but he's also got a rock solid mentality, probably. I really like him, and he scored a way well, he, he put a beautiful assist in for McTominay in midweek in the cup. Um, a really beautiful sort of Beckham esque cross, but from the left that that dropped on um on McTominay's uh leg. But I think it looks great. I think um his attitude was probably what's going to take him to the very top, actually, because he's got that sort of arrogance that yeah, the very few have at that age. Um yeah, good, good three points. Should be beaten Fulham, made heavy work of it. I tell you what though, United squad, I absolutely expected to be the sort who would be thinking about the World Cup. And then the second half it looked like they were. Um, yeah. So and you made the point at the end of last episode that this result uh, would make the difference for your end of term report. So what yeah. is it? I think it's B plus. So I think United are heading in the right direction. They're far, far away from where they would expect to be, as all the pundits say. Um, but going in three points off the top four as opposed to six and one above Crisis Club Liverpool makes a difference. <laughs> I think um I think that with a game in hand, an expectation that's that uh, Newcastle will drop away. Um, United can be optimistic. I still think United are one of the fourth, fifth or sixth best teams in the country and it will depend on the run of form after Christmas. The problem United have is we've got the thinnest squad of anyone up there um, as as uh, the bench shows. Is that true, them. George? Uh, impartial view? Is that Can you get away with saying that? Uh, I mean, given your bench at the moment, I don't know how bad your injury crisis is, but your bench is very... Yeah, there were a few unknowns on there yesterday, yeah. Well, two goalkeepers. It was very Harry Redknapp. We didn't even fill it. Um, I think the injury crisis, it's not even a crisis. United have got a handful of injuries, same as everyone. And the fact that we can bet we can't fill a bench shows quite the level of the job that needs to be done. We need a few youngsters to fill out the squad, to make it properly. And we've been left really thin. We haven't got a striker. One of them... Uh, well, one of them, one of them has absconded, and I don't yeah. want to give him. I don't want to give him the oxygen that he seeks uh, just before the World Cup, when we've got better things to be talking about. But we will, of course, be seeing him in the next few weeks. Um, he's popped up in his training kit today with Portugal. Surprise, surprise! Having not played for United in midweek or this. Oh weekend. yes, because he was so, ill. Yeah. Well, no, I mean we all know he wasn't ill because he yeah. was uh, on top form with Piers Morgan as well. So um, yeah, I don't want to give him the oxygen. But uh, do you? Do you want to? Give us your views on on him as a Manchester United player. I just think whether he has so, any future. It's all just so grubby. Uh, yeah. An interview with Piers Morgan leaked out on some budget TV channel in the front page of the Sun. It's all just grubby, and I don't know what he hoped to achieve, but he's not going to achieve it. Um, to spend all summer wanging on about wanting to leave, and then spend all winter saying why are they forcing me out? It's just. It's just a mess. It's a man who's misjudged his 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 hand, I think. Yeah. He's struggling with the realities of age, as we all are. And uh, he's looking around and he's not the best player in the team anymore. And, he is uh, our age, yeah. We should yeah. Uh, acknowledge that. And he's, he's, done, he's done fairly well. Um, but, uh, but so have we. Um, but yeah, he's struggling with his legacy, isn't he? Um, yeah, and I think, I'm I like you, let's not give it any more airtime because... Uh, it's just, it's just going to be two weeks of it before he either finds another contract or United terminate him like they terminated Roy Keane. Wow. Or Yapstam and all the others. Yeah. 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 Strong stuff. 
It's a big moment for Ten Hag. That's what I would say. And so far, I think he's played every one of these. Do you think he'll, really well. he won't play another game in yeah, that shirt? I think, I think that's it. That's it. He's done. He can't yeah. come back. Gave him the captain's armband last weekend, and then he went and did that interview uh, probably the next day, yeah. and hasn't hasn't been seen since. Okay. Um, so let's talk England a little bit because we had the England squad announcement since our last show. Um, I feel like it's difficult to really say anything too um, exciting or or trenchant or controversial about this squad because you can kind of see the reasons for every decision that Southgate's made and we know he's quite cautious. Um, so it's a bit ridiculous how all the press um, made huge news of Madison's selection when he's only had one game for England and he's not going to be the answer as such. I mean... It's interesting that he's going, I'd say, but he's not going to start, and he's not the answer. Um, even so, with tw- even with twenty three man squads, there'd be yeah. five or six players you wouldn't see, and now there's yeah. twenty six. So now no, there's twenty six. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a few players um, that I'm not too excited about, like Connor Gallagher, um, maybe Ben White, but maybe that's because of my bias. I don't know, but. Um, but yeah, basically, I'm I'm happy with it. Um, I don't like Connor Cody, as I've said so many times, but uh, still better than Tyrone Mings being there, isn't it, George? <laughs> but <laughs> uh, yeah, George, you're you're um, you, yeah, you, you bleed three lions. So tell us. I, I think <laughs> I think the the first sixteen picks itself, and no one would ever argue with it. But the, the the eleven and the five sub. You can use five subs in Qatar. I'm assuming you can. All um, of them. All of them will be available. All twenty six. Right. Well, yeah. The, Huge the benches. Ones, <laughs> the other ones are all for injuries or a third group game dead rubber, which it won't be against Wales, let's be honest. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it picks itself. There's some really, I mean, I think the whole Madison thing was because there was nothing else to talk yes, about because it's agree. such an obvious squad. There's with, usually a scandal, isn't there? And there yeah. hasn't been touch with. <laughs> and I think, I think starting 11 and Immediate subs is impressive. We've got some really, really good young players and some good right. established players. I think it's a nice balance. I think. Um, there's a and just to just to check because the Sky pundits are all saying Phil Foden's world class and he has to be in there. Uh, just to check when you say it picks itself, you mean Foden mm. to the left of Kane and Saka to the right? Uh, at the moment, I would. I think yeah. at the moment that that's definitely. But if Foden doesn't start, what an amazing sub to come off the bench. I mean, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. and and well, the, the, same with Grealish, right? Grealish is an exactly. exact perfect impact sub against yeah. a tiring defence. And Rashford. I mean, you bring Rashford yeah. off and running at you, it's the last thing you want. I think the whole Calvin Phillips thing is a bit talked about too much. I mean, yeah. he is fit and there is nobody else that's at that level with him and Rice that can play in that position. He's not going to start, but he needs to go as a as a decent A good, a good deputy as he, as he is at his exactly. club. Exactly, yeah. I'd love to see Rice and Bellingham in the middle. I think that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Um, midfield too. What's yeah, interesting for me is it feels like I've said this before. It feels like the conclusion of the Southgate era, and he has said all along he picks players on form, and I think he's deviated from that a little bit with some of the players that yes. through. He's clearly now got a cohort of he's a loyalty busted, manager exactly, yeah. and I am not one to talk down loyalty in football. I think he, um, you know, I'm, it's good to see him rewarding that. But there are players playing better than some of the players have made it couple in Italy um yeah Abraham's form has dropped off but we've got two brilliant defenders there who haven't had a look into Mori and, and Smalling yeah um and and yeah with 26 to pick 
But you can't leave that many out, can he? No. Who do you so, start right back, Nick? I'm going. You're going Trippier. It's got to be Trent. I think it's got to be Trent. Not Trippier. No, I think in that Trent first, uh, for the group games. You mean for the group games? Yeah. I think you start Trent, and then he's probably going to go three at the back in the um, in yeah. the knockouts anyway. In which case, I think Trent goes to the bench. And Shaw's guaranteed because uh, we've only got one left back. Yeah, and <laughs> and you know. Shaw has done a perfectly fine job. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I've been impressed with Shaw. Yeah, and yeah, yesterday was the right well. time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when so, we went to the England Germany game, uh, Nick and I, he was good. Uh, what, he impressed um, me. What he needs is Maguire to have a solid, steady 180 minutes against the Ram in the USA. So, who's starting at centre back? Stones and Maguire for you? I think it's got to. Be. I think they're the best two. Some people are saying it'll be Stones and White, but that's wishful, isn't it? White doesn't play there. He's been playing fullback all season. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. dropping him into the middle would be strange. Um, yeah, I don't know what you do with Maguire. You, you know, I've talked about this at length. I don't think it's fair to throw him into the team. But then, if if you're going to start starting against Iran, is about as good a start as you could have. Yes, good point. You wouldn't want to use him if you're going to use him. Use him from the beginning to give yeah, him some time to bed in. Yeah, you don't want him coming in covering for a suspended stones against France or Belgium. Yeah, or something. yeah. Um, and just a, a a little note on uh, George. You you mentioned last week's um, last week when we were talking about the Champions League draw. Porto Inter, you mentioned uh, a Porto striker, Iranian, who'll be facing England. And uh, just to confirm his name, Mehdi Taremi, age 30, uh, 60 caps, 28 goals. Um, so, yeah, just thought I'd uh, register his name since he was an unknown Iranian last week. Well, if Pickford starts, I'd back him to score. I'd love to see Pope start. I know that won't happen. Because Pickford, I would love war. to see Pope start. Um, of course, yeah. If I mean, I know we talked about it a lot already, but if some of Pickford's flapping at the weekend was really worrying. Um, uh, yeah, I think Pope's in bang bang in form, but and that yeah, it won't happen, unfortunately. And Nick, do you know who manages Iran? Uh, Carlos Quiros, United Legends, yeah, yeah, United <laughs> Legends, yeah. Once again, I'm going to stand up for the toppy on the pod. Uh, I think Pickford has never let the country down, and. That's I what they say. Yeah, I wouldn't run him out of the out of the squad before he does. Frankly. Okay, so uh, to finish this part, uh, quite a simple question from me, since we could talk forever about the World Cup. Um, but just a simple question: uh, Iran, USA, Wales. How many points are England going to get in that group? Seven. Nick. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> jumped the gun. Sorry. All right, George. Then go on. <laughs> Seven. Yeah, seven. I think it might be a bit of a, a trickier start than people probably give Iran credit for. It might be a, so. The, yeah, the usual yeah. stodgy start is yeah. what I'd expect anyway. Yeah. So probably nil nil or one one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then uh, uh, dispatch USA, and then Wales. two wins. Mm-hmm. And Nick, I think you know. I, I think England will win all, all three. Um, I think actually having this week where we go straight from Premier League into international is going to benefit the big European teams, I think. Um, France, okay. England, Italy, Spain. Not Italy. Um, but uh, I think that suits England. And I think that stodgy start mm. that comes around after five weeks of sitting around at Bisham Abbey or wherever it is they play now. <laughs> the St. George, the George, the football centre at St. George's. Yeah, um, showing think, your age. I think they'll be matched sharp in a way that they aren't going into um, a tournament normally. Well, given the quick, right. quick turnaround, they're not even training there. 
literally meeting up and going straight to Doha. Yeah. <laughs> Given the quick turnaround, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Right, but then but just, most uh, of the squad are used to it, right? They've been flying mm-hmm, around Europe mm-hmm, doing yeah. Champions League and Europa League for all of their career. Just quickly scanning my brain from the book, from uh, <laughs> over the line in all good bookshops. Um, I think I remember writing um, or researching that uh, last time England won all three group games in the World Cup was 1982, I think, in Spain. Oh, see, I didn't think we'd ever done it. I remember maybe that was the yeah. Euros. So it's not likely. <laughs> yeah. I think, it's, a, it's you know, they're calling it the group of death because of the closeness in ranking. But right. the reality is you would take a round. I, I haven't heard anyone say that, but okay. <laughs> well, in terms of rankings, it's the closest grouping. Right, okay. I think everyone is in the top 20. Um, yeah, no minnows, I suppose. Yeah, mm. we saw what Iran did to Spain and Portugal last time, didn't we? Okay, um, back after this. Okay, so that ends uh, the first um, part of the season. They can't quite call it a half. <laughs> 15 games um, for most teams in the Premier League. Uh, at least one round of the League Cup and we're all going to put uh, our feet up now and watch the World Cup in Qatar. Obviously loads to talk about. We've talked a little bit lit about little bit about England but um, yeah, to be honest, can't wait for it to kick off. Uh, obviously loads of other issues uh, off the pitch and in and around football. Um, they are all football issues don't want to separate it because um football is such a vehicle for um for the for the good and the bad and the very ugly so uh, important to address it all but i think um i've never considered not watching the world cup at least i am going to enjoy it on the television um i also never considered going there for all sorts of reasons just um, a quick thought on that. I um I know I wasn't allowed it as my football moment of the week because it involves my own team, but I thought the way that Ericsson and Bruno Fernandes talked about that was brilliant after the match yesterday. Oh, go on. I didn't see that. Yeah, really eloquently. They didn't make a big political statement, but they did want to say very clearly that football should be for everyone and they weren't yeah. happy with the way that the, um, the, the, the workers were exploited to build mm-hmm. the stadia. And uh, they didn't get into big you know, power politics or huge ethical rights. They spoke from their platform as players around whether they agreed or disagreed with it and they didn't like it and they were clear. And I thought it was really nice um, to hear that. And it's going to be super interesting to hear the world of football in the in the Qatar bubble over the next six, well, over yeah. the next four weeks. Um, I agree with Gary Lineker when he says it shouldn't be the player's responsibility to answer all those questions because it's their lifelong dream to get to a World Cup and to have that ruined by administrators and corruption. Um, you can't really blame them for that or expect them to front up on behalf of whole nations. However, obviously, if um, certain eloquent individuals, such as the one you've mentioned, choose to do that, I very much welcome that. And I hope I see that from both England, Germany, um, my teams and other teams. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to just uh, a really interesting um, festival of football. I think uh, a few things, there's a few criticisms that I don't agree with. Like um, people are starting to say, oh, it's it's so terrible to have it in the middle of the season because um, 
because of uh, injuries or, or whatnot. But actually, every single time there's a World Cup, especially in England, people are complaining that it's too late in the season and that everyone's played 60 games and everyone's um, going to be knackered. So there's no excuse for that this time. They're all at peak match fitness, except those who've unfortunately been injured, but you can't avoid that. Um, One thing that Bruno did say, which I really liked and I've never considered, was the players are are upset that it's at this time of year because kids yeah. aren't kids are in school and ah. now i i remember watching football at school during the summer tournaments but um i don't know what it's like around the the rest of the world but it was clearly a consideration for him in his interview that you know children should be able to watch the world cup and they're not going to be due to when it's being played this time around well interesting. I, th- I think we were at school during tournaments but it was definitely the first half of the world cup we were still in school weren't we and and i teach at a school now and i saw a poster only today um, made by the students for a, a viewing during the lunch break of england iran so we shouldn't give up on the young just yet yeah <laughs> uh might join them for that <laughs> um Anyway, yeah, and the other thing is um, I think it's great that the the Middle East can have the World Cup and um, I think it's a shame that people say it's horrendous that it's in Qatar and then just take that as meaning the entire region. It's great that the region can have the World Cup. It's just a shame that that country got the World Cup in that way. That's my opinion. But still, there's millions and millions of people in that part of the world who can rejoice at finally having a World Cup that they've never been, uh, that they've never had in nearly a hundred years of its history now. So focus on the positives, if pos. Okay, um, anything, uh, any other business for now? Negative. So see you during the World Cup, Nick and George. And uh, listener, we don't know when and how we're going to record, but we'll manage somehow and we'll get you our thoughts on uh, the greatest show on earth. And then, of course, we're back to the usual Leeds United, Spurs and Manchester United woes and triumphs in um, in varying degrees uh, after Boxing Day. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. Thank you, George. It's coming home. Good evening. <laughs> <laughs> Great final thought. Okay. Cheers, guys. <laughs> <laughs>